Learning Podcast. This is where we spend time together to learn from the experts and from each other how to build our resiliency. This is our inner muscle that helps us to bounce back and step into life with more strength, optimism, pizzazz, and enthusiasm. My guests are amazing men and women who rebounded back into life with enthusiasm. They found that tipping point and they bounced back with strength. They found those those tools within them and they were able to shape their lives with passion. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, today I have an amazing person on my show and I'm honored and blessed to have you uh, as my guest on the Rebound podcast because I know you have such a powerful, powerful story to share that would help our audience in so many different ways and have impact on other people's lives. I would like to welcome uh, Catherine Opondo. And Catherine has adopted the name Amina, so I'm also honored to have you here with me. Catherine uh, Amina is a transformational life coach. She's a very huge advocate for abuse-free relationships. She's a mom of five, mashallah, three boys, two girls, and two most amazing daughters-in-law. I love that. Love that. Your angels. Yes. Yes. My angels. Yes. Yes. Welcome, Amina. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Amina. I'm honored to be on your podcast. It's a huge pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Amina, I always like to start with this, you know, with my guests, uh, just to make sure that our audience also connect with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to ask you about if there was any book or movie or song or something that you heard about, an episode and series or anything of that sort, that when you see or hear or read about it resonates with you and it sort of like reflects on your own adversity and your own challenges. Yes. Okay. I have like maybe two or three, but the main one Hmm. was You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Ah, that's a huge one. Yes. Yes. She, I started off following the, her readings. Then I read the book. Mm -hmm. Then I watched the movie and um, the reason that I was drawn really to, to Louise Hay is that her journey, she was abused as a child. Then she got married. She got divorced. Mm. She beat cancer. Yeah. She suffered cervical cancer, you know, and she beat cancer. And what drew me to her was that she started a brand new life at the age of 58. I think that's when she started off her company, mm-hmm. a recording company. And Hay House, I mean, Hay House is, is a major success. Yes. Even after the death of Louise Hay, I mean, there's lots and it's still going on. Yeah. So that is something that really drew me to her. The other person was Wayne Dyer and Ekatol, old school thought, you know. Mm. So yeah, that's where I was. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when, when you, you're, you're talking with so much passion about this book and Louise Hayes, and when you have read her book and seen her life story, mm-hmm. what were the emotions that came for you? Um, first of all, when I read her story, I, 
I experienced fear. Mm. Fear because at that time I was living in Africa and I always wondered how I would be able to get myself out of the situation that I was in. I was trapped, so to speak. But the more I read her story and the more I watched her movie, every now and then that I would watch that movie, I would pick up something. Mm. There would be one thing I would pick up that, oh, first of all, she, 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 she didn't even complete high school, but then she was able to go on and be successful in business. Then I picked that she was able to beat cancer. Mm, yes. And the fact uh, she was like, you know, all disease come from, comes from unforgiveness. So I learned that forgiveness was a huge part of that, you know, part of her journey. And it has yeah. been part of my journey too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, every now and then I picked up uh, little things here and there. And my fear then became sadness because I was feeling trapped. Mm. Then. You know, it was a series of emotions. Then I became angry and I was hurt at the experience that I'm going to share with you. Mm. And I was embarrassed at some point. The more I thought about it and the deeper I reflected, I just wanted to be free. I did not want to be defeated. Yes. So when I got to the point of yearning to transcend the defeat Hmm. that was very powerful for me oh absolutely absolutely i can can sense the emotions and the 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 energy that's coming out with your voice here amina with all of this and it shows that you have been through such a powerful or such a challenging adversity here (laughs) and (laughs) to have this book resonate with you at that level Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, trapped, you mentioned that the emotional levels that you've gone through from mm-hmm. fear to sadness to anger. And then, you know, like you came to a point where I don't want to be defeated. Yes. That was totally a shift. It was. Yeah. But let me ask you first, what was going on? What was going on in your life? What's the story that you would like to share and, and the challenges that you've met? Okay. The adversity that I would like to share is the breakdown of my of my almost 30-year-old marriage. Because mm. we were just a few months shy of 30, celebrating 30 years together. Yes. And um I remember then my ex-husband announced that uh, he wanted to take a second wife mm. in according to Islam. Mm-hmm. And in according to our country's constitution by then. Uh-huh. And um, he promised me that everything would remain the same. And that um, if I supported him, he would love me even more. So, of course, I asked him, why now after 30 years? And he said that, oh, I am able to. And, and my religion allows me and my constitution allows me. So I saw that he really wanted to go ahead. So I decided to offer support. Mm. I even went out and uh, helped in trying to get my then co-wife a house. Mm. 
she was from a totally different country. He had wanted me to accompany him to go and bring her home. But then I didn't go on that journey. But then I made everything else possible. Even I gave items from my house for them to be able to start their life together. But things went out of the window. And even when he started changing, I did not imagine that um, he would abandon the children. So first of all, he became very abusive emotionally. Then the financial abuse, he removed me from family finances. Then he involved the children in that he would smear my name with the children. Then the ultimate, he withdrew financial support for the children. He withdrew the children from school. By the way, at this point, I'm a stay-at-home mom and have been for several years because I, I concentrated on um, taking care of the children and, and um, uh, building family wealth. Yes. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, and, and he is an international civil servant, so we lived in various countries across the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. So most sometimes we're out of the country together, and whenever I was back home, I concentrated on uh, construction for, you know, and building house, just family wealth. Yes. So then I was stripped of family finances. Mm. So I was crippled, so to speak. Yes. Without finances, the children were going to, I think, the the the, the most expensive school in back home. Mm. I could not afford it. I was a stay-at-home mom. And then he even withdrew there was a the monthly support. So I was trapped. And at that point, out of the five kids, it's three who are at home. The older, the, the, the third, our third child was doing his A-levels by then. Mm-hmm. And then the, the younger, the minors were uh, 10 and 14. So I was trapped. I could not afford their schooling. I could not afford anything for them. And as a mother waking up and realizing that you cannot provide for your children, it's horrible. It's very hard. My kids were asthmatic Hmm. when they were younger. And taking them to the doctor for outpatient would usually pay and then be able to, you know, send the medical receipts to the insurance company. He withdrew even that. So I remember on two occasions, I went to hospital. I want to see the doctor. I have given my card for processing the payment and the payment is declined. Mm. So that was a very, very, very challenging time. Then the physical abuse set in. Mm. The first beeting, it's my, our 19, our 19 year old son then who saved me from his father. That was really, really difficult, being saved by your child from his father. And he was totally abusive. Then the talak followed, first talak followed. Hmm. Then there was a reconciliation. The first talak, which is the divorce, the first divorce. First divorce, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Then, then, Then the love bombing. Then the second talak came two months later. Hmm. And at that point, the worst thing that you can ever do to a married woman other than kill her is to give her a divorce. The pain is intense. Mm. 
It's very intense, yes. So when I got my second talak, I told myself that I am not a Barbie doll. Mm. I am not a toy. And I ran with it. I took it and I resisted reconciliation. Mm. Because at that point, I was thinking that if there is going to be a reconciliation, then it will be when we have sat down and agreed on my terms, not on his terms, because he wanted reconciliation, but on his terms. So I resisted that. So all this coupled, all this put together Mm. was a big challenge. Mm. Then the smear campaign set in and it was on social media. You wake up one day in the morning, you're reading your WhatsApp page on whatever group, your story is there. Amongst the neighbors, amongst the place where we had tenants because we've, we had some uh, uh, a property, rental property, where the, we have tenants, the story is there. On family forums, the story is there. And being that he's a well put together man, you know, he has an international job, the kids are going to the most expensive school. We were living a good life, we lived out of the country. So people believed him. Hmm. And he went and said that, look, I have done A, B, C, D for this woman. And just because I want to take a second wife, this is her reaction. Hmm. He did not tell them all the other things that had come together with, like the my main reason for living was a physical abuse, the abuse. He did not talk about the abuse. Hmm. And being that I was not in finance, in gainful employment, I was trapped. Remember, this is happening three months after the death of my mother. Oh, wow. So you're emotionally drained already. And, and, and you see, before my mother died, my mother, uh, she suffered a stroke. Yes. And in her last eight months of life, I took her into my home. Mm-hmm. And me, together with my sisters, we rallied together. To, to to take care of her. Yeah. So she was in my home. During the time that she was unwell, I would cry for my mother because I saw her, her life changed from being active to a vegetable, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I would cry for my mother because she was not able to take care of herself like she used to. I had become her parent. Yes. When she died, it hit me like a ton of bricks, but I had not grieved my mother properly. Yes. And then the challenges of my marriage started. Yes. So I, I was torn. I didn't know which way. I didn't know whether to grieve for my mother. I didn't know whether to grieve for my marriage. I didn't know whether to grieve for my children. That was the, the adversity that I faced. It was hard. That's a lot of emotions. First of all, of course, the the hardest idea, the hardest thing in the world for a woman is that when her husband would want to take another wife. Yes. And we know that Islamically from this, the religion, we know that it is not as easy as it, <laughs> as it, it, should, as it sounds. As no. It is. No, no, there are certain rules. And then even at the end of the rules, and the rules, because of certain, you know, like different things, of course, we're not going to get into. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, like at the end in the Quran, Allah says it's just one because you will not be able to be just. 
see and 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 yeah and and to add on to that um i think in my case mm. uh my ex-husband decided to he cherry picked and read the part that says you can take two three or two three or four yeah. wives <laughs> yeah but left out only if you will be just amongst yes. Yes. Otherwise, is, otherwise, stay with one. He left out that bit. Most of men who does they leave. Yeah, they do. They out. do that. Yes. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. leave. They they take the the verse out of context. Yes. And even we were talking about orphan girls. You know, so it's it's totally a different ball game. But men sometimes when they don't understand the the context and the concept and the the rules behind why it is there. Sometimes they just, as you said, they cherry pick and they just yes. choose whatever they want. Yes. The amazing thing here, you mentioned you were trapped several times here. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you had sort of like swallowed your pride and swallowed your, your, I don't know what to say, you know, like your whole being in order to give him support and be with him during that transition. And being and taking things from your house and giving it and and being of help and and so on, but again, it's again it's amazing that after all of this support, it's been met with the abuse. It's been met with the challenges that you met, and you said that even your child saving you from a physical abuse, it's it's the hardest thing even for a child to live through. And what scars that would leave in you and your child as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is I, I, one of the, I try as much as we, can, as we can, you know, like no judgment and so on. But sometimes when you see what is happening here, mm-hmm. it becomes a total challenge to, to figure out what is really what's going on. What is happening? Why did he act this way? What? Why did you act this way? Why were, did you give support? Why did he start abusing? You know, like all, all different things get together. But yeah. I'm sure that these were so hard on you emotionally and physically and mentally in so many different ways that, okay, you agreed, you, you had, you, you reconciled after the first divorce. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, for our listeners, you know, like there are steps for divorce, so on. Yes. So after the first divorce, and then you resisted the reconciliation after the second divorce, because you wanted to stand firm. You wanted to become, would you say that this was your tipping point or what was the tipping point that made that let you say enough is enough? That's it. I'm not going to tolerate this any longer. I have to stand on my own two feet, and especially that you've been a housewife and helping build the the structure family of the wealth, family yeah. and the and the wealth of the family and so on, and no background in a corporate job, for example, or having some sort of a retirement account or any kind of that that kind of thing. So when was the tipping point that you said enough is enough? That's it. No, I, I had worked a corporate job before. Mm-hmm. But when uh, uh, my ex-husband started working internationally, we thought that it would be better for us to be together. Yes. And that's when I consolidated my efforts into raising the family and building family wealth. Because he yes. works for the United Nations. The tipping point for me 
uh, and it came in stages. The first one hmm. was the second talak. Okay. I, I don't even remember. Uh, I don't even think I had experienced pain as intense as that second talak. More pain than him taking another wife? How would you compare? More pain than him taking another wife. Yeah. More pain than him taking another wife. That second talak was intense. The first one, uh, uh, I was like a zombie. I didn't know whether I was going or coming. And I was just wondering, is it really me? Is it happening to me? What is happening to me? I was I was dazed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then the reconciliation came. And then I started asking myself, is this the way I want to live my life? Mm. Is this the way I want to approach my sunset years? Mm. Is this the role model that I want to be for my children? absolutely mm. you know like like i i know i know i know like the being a, the role model in a child's life is the same sex parent however mm. you as the mother of your sons you are girl number one. Mm-hmm. so I, is this the kind of uh, girl number one i wanted to be for my sons mm. no so after that second talak Then the withdrawal of support, the smear campaign tipped me over and above. That just told me, Amina, this is a place you don't belong to anymore. Yeah. The smear campaigns are are very hurtful and very unjust and very unfair. And people, it's, it's amazing how people can use that against another person. And 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 unfortunately, it involved family as well, mm. whereby whatever uh, my name was thrown onto those uh, family forums, you'd find even little young children coming in to comment, "Oh, she needs psychiatric help. She mm. doesn't know what she's getting herself into. She's going to regret because she's not going to be able to afford life." Wow! Wow! You know, yeah. I, I remember my ex told me that I can see the start of your suffering with you leaving me. And to that, I responded that, aha, uh-huh. so I can see you have taken the role of being my God That's in my fine. life. Hmm. That was my response. And it shows, by the way, the image of you standing there and telling him you're taking the role of my God. It just shows the kind of resilience and strength you have within. I'm a prayer warrior. Yes, yes. I'm a, I am a prayer warrior, you know. The connection with God when it is that strong and we know that surrendering mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. We do our part. We do our work. But the surrender piece mm-hmm. is vital. Is vital because you have total trust in how your god's going to help you shape your life. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. it shows also and let me jump here for a minute because you know like I see now you are a successful coach, you're doing well, you're you're flourishing and you're thriving and at the same time of course life is always it's always work and it's always a struggle and it's always doing things. It's it's not as easy and flow as easy as we think. But at the same time, I see that strength in you. And then there's the image of the story that you're telling me 
but there is something in between that shows that the determination and the strength that's what that was in you that got you to where you're at right now. Yes. What was your journey? What was that piece in between? How did you come to be where you're at right now? You know, after the smear campaign set in, and I realized at that point that the pain of staying in the marriage was greater than the fear of the unknown, Mm. I decided to act. Mm. And my action was to leave the country Mm. and go to Canada. Wow. So not just leave the marriage. So you're just leaving the whole country, everything else behind you. At that point, remember I told you I was angry Mm. and I was hurt. Yes. But I did not want to be defeated. Mm. So at that point, and then when I grappled with with the kind of pain that I, I woke up to every morning, I realized I could not cope. And I was ready to start. And I just wanted freedom. Yes. I, I remember I remember uh, telling my, my sister that I just wanted to wake up in a different bed. Mm. I just wanted to wake up in a different house. Yes. I just wanted something totally new and different. And so here- I made my choice to, to, yes. to leave the country. Yeah. And not only leave the country. Uh Go across continents. (laughs) Across the Atlantic, yeah. Yes, to Canada, to a place where I had no friends, no family, no nothing. I arrived in a hotel with two minors in tow. Wow. Wow. And I, (laughs) we started life from a hotel. Hmm. Taking it one day at a time. Yes, yes. And see here also, see the word, I don't want to be defeated is, has such strong energy in it. Yes. You know? And it has such strong level of, again, determination and level of courage because having the courage to leave the country and step into the unknown, there is fear. I'm sure there was some sort of fear, but you stepped into it anyway. And you stepped into it with, with determination and with purpose because you wanted to build a new life for yourself. One week before I came, Mm. I woke up one morning at um, four o'clock. I'm an early riser. So usually whenever I woke up at four o'clock, I would do my tajud then. Mm. But on this morning, I woke up and I experienced my first panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't stop crying. And the question in my mind at that time was that, what if everything goes wrong mm-hmm. and I'm leaving the country with two kids? What am I going to do? But then I changed that question mm. and asked myself, what if everything goes right? Beautiful. And of course, that was after I'd called my sister in a panic and crying and, 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 and I was so hysterical and she had to come at four o'clock in the morning, you know, from her house to comfort me. And mm. yeah. Yeah, but that was, that was before you left them. That was before you left. One week before I left. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love how you reframed that question, how that question was reframed. And probably that what gave you the optimism and that what gave you the hope and that what gave you the strength. Yes. To keep going. It, to it keep did. going with that idea. It did. It wow. did. It did. And 
the reason why I did that, because mm. I'd gone through a roller coaster of emotions. Of course. And um, and 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 at the time, mm. I had also taken. I don't know if you know Visionaire, the Visionaire mm. program, the Ramadan do, uh, program by by Muhammad Al Sharif. Mm, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah. Okay, I'll I had taken my my first mm. uh, Visionaire program. Yes. And he had taught us that whatever you ask Allah for, it doesn't change his sovereignty. Yes. So yours is just like a small piece of crayon or a piece of candy. It's like a drop in the ocean. It doesn't change him. Exactly. Yeah. And he had also had also learned that ask for the best. Hmm. So that's why I changed that question. Yes. Yes. From yes. instead of thinking of the negative, think of the positive. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And not just of the positive, because we know that fear comes when we expect a negative event or a negative outcome to happen. Yes. That is, of course, different than if we're talking about uh, a tiger is running after us, and there's physical fear. But if we're mm-hmm. talking about fear in our head of something that would happen in the future, mm-hmm. then we're talking about the negative expectations. But once we shift that, and I love how you put that, how you shifted that and you refocused your attention on Mm -hmm. what if everything went right, Mm -hmm. then this is a beautiful, beautiful way of, again, shifting your whole energy to get you to where you're going. Yes. Now, if your husband has retreated from the financial support, retreated Mm -hmm. from all kinds of different accountability, for example, towards the children and so on. Who was your most secure base? Who were the ones who held your hand to keep going? Yes, my sister and uh, my first son. My sister, uh, uh, the connection between me and this particular sister goes way back to when I was born. When I was born, I'm the last born in the family. And then my mother had to stay in hospital for surgery. Mm. And this sister was nine years then. Mm. So I went home with her and my dad. And I understand that I gave them a rough time because a little baby wants the mother. Of course. Yeah. And mommy's in hospital. So I understand that I yelled enough. Mm. And she took care of me. At nine, huh? At nine. At nine years. Beautiful. You know, besides, okay, there were all there were my other brothers and sisters, but then the, the bond, I think, there is where the bond started. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yes. yes. So this sister has played a key role in my life. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember when I told her that um, my ex-husband wanted to take a second wife, and he told me that she told me that uh, you know, uh, uh, you Muslims, and you know it's allowed and and uh, I mean, if he says nothing is going to change, so I mean, just be okay with it, mm. you know? Yeah, so this sister mm. and my son, they came in in a very strong way. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I called and they sensed that I was not right, they would be heading my direction. Those times that I went to hospital and the card declined, for medical treatment. And I would call my sister and tell her that, look, the card has declined. And she would be like, let me, um, uh, what is it? The equivalent would be cash up eh? mm-hmm. here. Yes. I'll send you some money. In, it's called M-Pesa. I'll M-Pesa you money immediately. Yes. 
and she would. Mm. And she would not only send money for the medical, then she would ensure, do you have fuel in the car and do you have food at home? Mm. My son too. Mom, do you have food at home? And after that incident of the card, the card being declined twice, my son had to take a medical cover for us. Mm. Yes. You know, so that then, when I go to the hospital, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what the secure base and the huge support that we need in those times step in and take over and help. Yes, yes. Yeah which is yeah. beautiful. And sometimes the, the support does not come from family members. Sometimes support even comes from neighbors. Sometimes it comes, it can come from a friend. Yeah. And I was also going to come to that. And there's also two friends that mm-hmm. I had. Okay. As I talk about my son, my daughter-in-law also played a very big role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always, always, you know, like we say that our angels Yes. My big angel played a big part. So then I have a friend and um, she she's a widow. And I remember that um, when her husband died, my mother was also not doing well. In fact, my, my mother died three weeks after her husband had died. And she kept telling me that change your location. Go and experience other challenges. And I will keep praying for you. And she has remained a friend today. There's also another gentleman. And um, he was more like an employee. Of, you know, we, he, he did, like, did repairs on the houses that I built and this and that. And he was also a source of support, unwavering support. So these are the people that uh, I, still, I, still, I still call upon them even up to today. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The expression of secure base is such a strong expression. I love to use it all the time. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the components, of course, of resiliency, Mm -hmm. even though it's outside of you. But this bond that you build with your secure base, it gives you certainty and it gives you some sort of peace and some sort of safety, like a safety net that you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. Amina, your story and the all kinds of challenges that you have gone through is such, I don't know even how to describe it because I can feel the pain. I can feel the, the determination. I can feel the strength. I can feel the, the optimism about life and how things are going to turn out. I hear the faith, the strong faith and the surrender to, to Allah and to God and to make sure that you are taken care of in so many different ways. It's not that a human being is going to hold us from our, we, we call it, you know, it's going to hold us from our throats, you know, like, or hold or choke us. Mm-hmm. But it is, again, we do what we can do and then we surrender it to Allah and Allah takes care of it. Yes. I remember the very first time that I mentioned to my son and to my sister I mean, these people are key in my life. (laughs) And I mentioned to my son and my sister that I wanted to leave the country. They were like, no, my son was like, mom, where to? How? You're going to uh, encounter challenges. And uh, I even mentioned, I mean, you're the only sane parent that I have at this point in time. So we don't want to lose you. I mean, you're going to a place where you don't know nobody. You don't know what is going to happen. You have no clue of what is going to happen. And I told him, son, you don't need to see 
the whole staircase. You only need to see the step that is ahead of you. And to my sister, I told her, you know what? How I'm going to do it is not my problem. Allah will deal with the how. How is not my challenge. My challenge is to step into what I am being called for now. And I was so determined Hmm. that even if I had made up my mind at that point, that even if they were not going to support me in that, I was still going to do it because deep down my gut feeling, and and that is one thing that I would also like to talk about my gut feeling all along. Remember I told you that I'd been married for 30 years, close to 30 years. And all along I kept ignoring my gut feeling. Hmm. But suffered the consequences. This time around, I Hmm. said, I am not ignoring my gut feeling. Yes. So I made up my mind and I told them that I'm going to go irrespective of, and they turned around and they were my biggest supporters. The biggest, biggest, biggest supporters. Yeah. Because you were firm about the, the, the gut feeling that's giving you that firmness and that certainty and that security that you felt inside, even though that you're going to the unknown. Yes. But you had that strength within you and you were just stepping into that no yes. matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So with, with everything that we discussed today and everything that you told me about and your story and the challenges and all kinds of things, Amina, what is your biggest lesson that you're taking away from your, your, your adversity and your resilience? My biggest lesson is that um, it's never too late. Yes. It's never too late to become whatever you might have wanted to become in your life. It's never too late to start afresh. It's never too late for anything. The other thing is that your pain is the beginning of a success story. Mm. Yeah. And I usually tell my clients that... Uh, Every adversity that life will throw at you brings with it the equal opportunity for growth. Yes. So embrace it. Beautiful. Ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. Ask Ask quality questions. Ask what do I need to become to live my new normal? Because this is a new normal. Yes. This is not what you are. It wasn't what I was used to. So what do I need to become to be able to cope with this? Yes. And that's why. Yeah. And this is, this is a huge part of being resilient, yes. being adaptable. You adapt to something and at being adaptable, we are changing things in ourselves to be able to deal with what's happening around us yes. or our, with our new life or mm-hmm. with the way that we want to live our lives. Mm-hmm. We adapt to that. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I love your analogy of the staircase. <laughs> this is such a beautiful, beautiful description or image of not necessarily you're looking at the destination, but you're looking at the journey. You're looking at every step in the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. you said also about that pain is the beginning of a success story. Yes. This is absolutely powerful in a way that it explains when you go through such an adversity, if you look at it, that it's going to break you, it's going to break you. It's going to break you. Yeah. But if you look at it, that this is something I'm going through 
and I'm learning from it. I'm picking up things from it. This is teaching me something in particular. This is letting me become aware of who I am. This is letting me become aware of what I need to do or what I want to do, how my life would change, how maybe this pain because the life I'm living is not healthy for me. It's costing me a lot. So mm-hmm. much can be learned from just just that. So mm-hmm. those those phrases that you mentioned, those words were just huge, mm-hmm. very, very, very impactful. So, so Amina, if somebody has issues similar to yours or mm-hmm. something challenges that they need to get in touch with you and they need to ask you questions or need your help in some way, where mm-hmm. can they find you? Okay. My social media handle is Catherine Opondo on Instagram, on Facebook. Mm. My email address is Catherine at CatherineOpondo.com. In the description of the podcast, I'll have the email also written down. Yes. So that people can um, can reach out to you. Yes. Yes, yeah. Amina, it's been a really great pleasure and an honor. And I'm humbled with everything that you have shared with us today. Very mm-hmm. powerful story, so powerful lessons of resilience and determination and courage and optimism. And there's so much that goes into it. And I hope that our audience would really learn and pick up on few things that would help them in their lives as well. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you very much for having me. And uh, as a parting shot, or what I would like to tell anybody who is going uh, through the a similar challenge, mm-hmm. I would tell them to take a seat in their audience and mm-hmm. be a spectator. Watch your life from where you're sitting in the audience. Because you see, if you're a player, then your emotions are heightened. But if you're sitting in the audience and you're watching, then be still enough to listen to the answers. Because the answers are within you. Take a seat in your audience and be still long enough to hear the answers. Yes. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's having that image of being in the audience. And even just as if there's like a movie theater going on in front of you. It's as if like there's a movie going on and this is your life. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said to be still and listen to the answers. Thank yes. you so much, Amina. Thank you so much. It's been thank you for pleasure. having me. Oh, it's thank my you for pleasure. having me. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I'm really honored to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amina. Face challenges with optimism. Face challenges with courage. Face challenges with determination. Rebound to life with resilience and strength to live the life you have always wanted. Ten components that we discuss, how they come out and how they are tapped into from the stories we hear. Those ten components are for you to own and to activate because they are in you. You want to activate them in the first face of adversity, challenges, and simply just anything that feels uncomfortable. We learn from those who had gone through challenges, how they carried the torch of resilience for others to follow. This is the Rebound Podcast.